Good afternoon. Start to say good morning. Good afternoon, all. On this uh, April third, twenty twenty. Thank God for another day. This is the fourth podcast, and uh, today we're going to do something a little different. However, we're coming from the Bible, of course. And let me say it before I forget. I'm also on overlay. If anybody has overlay. <clears throat> so let's just get that out of the way. The title of this one, remember the theme is for such a time as this, but the message for this episode is comfort, comfort my people. We're going to be coming from the book of Isaiah only, uh, the 40th chapter of Isaiah. And we're not going to do it in. Uh, First by first, we're gonna do it by sections. And as you may, may or may not know, I believe in giving a balance for the word of God. I'm not gonna tell you all this roses and everything is wonderful and you know upside down and Skittles and ice cream. I'm not gonna give that to you. Nor am I gonna beat you over the head and give you fire and brimstone only. I believe in a balance. And as chapter 40. It's like that of Isaiah because it gives a balance. It doesn't just shower you with wonderful good news. It does, but also lets you know that God doesn't play. And well, you'll find out. So let's get started. Now, one thing I want to make uh, tell you too is I'm not when I say comfort, comfort my people. I'm not talking about the naval ship that's in uh, New York called the Comfort. No, I'm speaking of the one true living God who wants his people to be comforted. Now, who's his people? It's very important to know that his people are the ones that have given their life to the Lord. And we say, well, all God's children, right? Well, no, you have to read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Those who have been changed or have given their life to the Lord that's his children were all his offspring were all his uh, how can I say all his creation but were not all his children now he wants the people that he made his creation to come to him and that's what makes him be the children of God as you know during this time of crisis it just what happens well it didn't just what happened it's done on purpose that's coming around Passover time and coming around Resurrection Sunday time. It's not a coincidence. The Lord wants us to focus on His Son who He sent, Jesus Christ. Now, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. So this is a time to be comforted. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people are sick. Unfortunately, we've lost a lot of lives all over the world. That's why I can't understand this being a global event. People are saying, oh, God has nothing to do with this. Why do people always put God into this? When something is global, that's time for your antennas to go up. Yes, God is involved one way or another. Now, <clears throat> that's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Like I said, we're going to do this in sections. 
So, this is Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 5. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Oh, I just thought of something. Well, it's private. <laughs> the glory of the Lord is something my pastor did last night. Uh, but anyway, I'll read that again. Listen. It's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Strengthen the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Now this is about the coming of Jesus. Once it's clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. That's when you know, John the Baptist showed up. So, this is about the coming of Jesus the Messiah. Unfortunately, though, many Jews rejected his first coming. Like it says in St. John 1 and 11, he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Excuse me. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. I don't want to get sidetracked and go in the weeds. So, speaking about those verses 3 to 5, he wants you to make, because uh, John the Baptist came, he's the one that cleared the way. He was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. And he's saying, make straight a highway through the wasteland for our God. And then he goes into filling the valleys and level the mountains and hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. This is something that Jesus will do if we gave him our lives. He fill in the valleys. That which is <clears throat> in a valley roll alone. You're deep down in troubles, trials and tribulations. God will fill in for you. And he'll level the mountains and hills. He'll bring them down low. And he'll straighten out the curves. That which is going all kinds of which way in your life. He'll straighten them out. And he'll smooth out the rough places. Anything rough, he'll smooth them out. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Jesus came and went. Unfortunately, the Jews missed it. And all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. Now we're headed towards his second coming. So now this is verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? I take it to this idea. Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Now, this is the realization of people. Just to remind us that we're nothing but dust. A lot of people think they are all the, you know, the big rage. They think the big shout on the earth. No, this to remind us that we're all dust. Some people in this world are arrogant and are self-centered. So the Lord wants to remind us, listen, we're nothing but grass. 
and what the flowers in the field. And he said, so it is with people. Not with just the Jews, so it is with people, with everybody. Everybody's dust, and when you die, you go back to dust. <clears throat> so anybody that thinks through all that, want to hear for a short period of time. He said, the grass withers and the flowers fade. So no matter how good looking you are, the beauty's going to fade. No matter how much you think everything's all right, it's going to fade. But he said, but the word of our God stands forever. And so it will. The only thing that's lasting in this world is God. The only thing that's going to last in this world is Jesus' kingdom when it comes. I'm talking primarily to saints because I know people who don't believe in this are going to think I'm crazy, but that's all right. Because as long as I'm obedient to God, that's all that counts. No matter who likes it and who doesn't like it. All right, let's go on. Verses 9 to 9 to 11. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops, shout aloud, O Jerusalem, shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He'll rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother's sheep with the young. It's a beautiful section. Having to do with the, the second coming when he sets up his kingdom. <clears throat> Israel is going to be saved. Those who are giving their life to him. Israel is going to be saved. Yeah, Messianic Jews, every single Jew is not against Jesus. He has very few and far in between. But you have Messianic Jews all over this land. And they have an advantage because they know the uh, <clears throat> they're the first ones who knew God, even though a lot of them love God, and they know Jesus. So that's a very good advantage to have. So it's like, yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He's going to rule with a powerful arm. He sure will. See, and there's this part that says, see, he brings the reward with him as he comes. That's the revelation. He's bringing his reward with him. To give to every man according to their works. What they've done on earth, you're going to get rewarded for it. And he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lamb in his arms. That's how much he loves you. He'll carry the lamb in his arms. He's going to carry the people in his arms. See, we're going through right now, but it's not always going to be like this. And it's going to hold him close to his heart. Mm-hmm. All right. Verses 12 to... Let me see. Excuse me. One second here. Just give me a minute. Nine minutes. Give me a second. Uh, 12 to 17. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Excuse me. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Or has weighed the mountains and hills on the scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instructions about what is good? 
Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. <clears throat> Excuse me. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes they count for less than nothing. Mere emptiness and froth. <coughs> like I said, <clears throat> someone down the wrong pipe. No, I'm not sick. <clears throat> Something uh, I said at the beginning, I said I believe in a balance. Well, this chapter has a balance. And you hear the balance now. The Lord wants you to know that he has no equal. There's nobody equal to him. There's nobody like him. Who can weigh the earth? Like all the saints he was saying about weighing the earth. And who can advise him? And who can give him instruction? I like verse 15. He said, No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. So no matter how big a nation's army is, uh, how big their military is, let's put it that way, I don't want to go through all, all, all the forces, but um, no matter how big somebody's military is, God doesn't care. He can make a nuclear bomb turn into a firecracker, a wet firecracker at that. He said, they're, they're dropping a bucket, they're nothing to God. They're big things to each other. People may be scared of each other, but you shouldn't be scared of God. He said, they're nothing more than dust on the scales. He picked up the whole earth as if it was a grain of sand. That's how big our God is. And when he was talking about Lebanon's forest, Lebanon had, had back then had a lot of cedar trees. So, you know, if you want a nice, nice wood, that's where you would go, go to Lebanon, Get one of those Lebanon cedar trees. They're probably very nice. And he said, even if you were to take all Lebanon's animals, that and back then they had the burnt offerings before Jesus came. He said, even all animals wouldn't be enough to be worthy of our God. He said, the nations of the world are nothing to him. So this goes back to those who may be arrogant and self-centered. Don't 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 lift up yourself in pride and stick out your chest and say we're the big cheese like America likes to do and like China likes to do and like Russia likes to do. Don't stick out your chest and think you're a big big time top dog because you're not. Compared to God, you're nothing. He said the nations of the world are nothing to him. And more than that, in his eyes, they count for less than nothing. Now if you're less than nothing, that means you're in the negative. So you're below zero. So if you're below zero, that's really something. God calls you calls a mere emptiness and froth. There's nothing to him. Alright? So how great is our God? Very great. So since he's this great, and I just read this morning that Jesus calls us his friends. If you're saved, he calls us his friends. He said, I normally call you slaves, I call you friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So if we're obedient to God, if we're obedient to the commandments, 
in the New Testament, if we listen to Jesus, he said, well, be his. He said, why I say the New Testament? Well, because if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and secondly, love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfill the law and the prophets. So you don't have to die every eye and cross every T. Just make sure you love God and that you obey him. And the thing is, if you love God, you want to obey him. Just like when, 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 if, when you're married, you want to please your spouse. You want to give them everything that they could possibly have that, that you can get. You don't want to hurt them. So how much more if you love God, that much more than your spouse. You don't want to hurt him. You want to be obedient. You want to do what he says. That's why I can't understand people say they love God and, they, and, they're, and they're still sinning. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you should be able to conquer sin. God even told Cain, he said, you got a master sin because it's at the door. You have to be his master. So even before the Holy Spirit came, he's saying you got to be the master over sin. And then with the with the comforter comes, who has all the power of God living in you, you got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You, you mean to tell me we have no power? We have to really get down to business. If we fall into that trench of I have to sin because I have a sinful nature, if you have that mindset, but Jesus said you have to conquer it. So I can't get relaxed thinking that I have to sin. God Himself said you have to master it. So therefore, we got to master it. And the way to master it is with the, the, the Holy Spirit. The, I was going to say the paraclete is, is in Greek. You got you have to master it with the help of the Holy Spirit. With the help of Jesus Christ, you can master it. You have to start believing in this. This whole thing that's going on is an attention getter. God wants us to come to him. People say, oh, God has nothing to do with this. God has everything to do with this. It has everything to do with this. This is a cursed world we live in. So things are going to happen in a cursed world. You can't put your finger on and say, well, God did this, God did that. But just know for a fact that things are going to happen. And that's when God wants us to turn to him. Whether he brings it, that's irrelevant. Not irrelevant. If he brings it, just know that it's for one purpose. To turn us to God. If you believe in just love and grace, 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 what's, it, what's this for? What's you going to do? You're going to turn to God, hopefully. If you believe in that, you better follow the commandments. What's he telling you to do? Turn to God. So no matter how you slice it, it's, turn, it's about turn to God. Is that what he says? So, so rough. <clears throat> it's not a matter of saying the rough. It's a matter of getting us to open our eyes. So we can understand finally. A lot of people are going to come to Christ during this crisis. And a lot of people are going to leave. That's just the way it's going to be. Alright, let's go on. I know I was going to say all that. Uh, where am I going to do? Isaiah 18 to 20. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood 
that won't decay, and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. See me, that's true. People seem to always be looking for something that they can see. They want to worship something they can see. Well, in this race, you know, you have to worship somebody you can't see. That's where your faith comes in. You know, worship somebody that you can't see. Uh, and these people make all kinds of idols, they're saying. Gold and silver, or the poor people may use wood. But it's an idol that can't walk, can't see, can't talk. It can't do anything for you. And if it's a, something that man made, how all of a sudden do you think it gets all this power? You can't just put power in it because you made it. No, the God who made the heavens and the earth, he's the one that has everybody's life in his hands. Matter of fact, that's coming up right now. Verses 21 to 24. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the turtle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the human excuse me, he spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. So it's time to listen. The nations as a whole are ignoring the one with all the power. He has our life in his hands. We don't have a life in our hands. We say, yeah, I just obeyed this and I saved my life. I said, yeah, there's some people who've been shot multiple times and live. And there's somebody who, who just drinks something and die. I remember a few years ago, I read about a man. He drank something from a can. And he got poisoned because there was there was rat pee on it, and he was allergic to rat pee. Obviously, well, poisoned him, and he died just from taking a drink or something. And then there's people like I said get shot multiple times and they live. See, God has our life in His hands. If it's not your time to go, you're not going. God knows your death date. You don't. Now I wouldn't want to know my death date. <clears throat> But God knows your death date. He has your, He has all our lives in hand. Whether you're saved or not, He still has your life in His hands. Verses, oh, excuse me. Verses 25. Getting a little too comfortable here. Now the last part, verses 25 to 31. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by his name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Remember that. Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Remember that. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Excuse me, I just got a point up in my head. I'm like, just writing. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even use you, yeah, I don't want to say use like <laughs> in the movie. Even use will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So God is our protector, our provider, our healer, and our keeper. Now I said, I said, remember that. I remember that when He said, "Oh Jacob, how can you say?" The Lord does not see your troubles. You think the Lord doesn't see what's going on around here? Like I said, we live in a cursed world. Things are going to happen. Some things God doesn't bring on us and, and some things he's not. Now, for example, let's say this thing. Because of a cursed world, we're going through this coronavirus to get our attention. Now, let's say we don't listen and we don't turn people don't come to Christ as a whole. God's going to bring further judgment. You say, well, how did you say that? Now, judgment is not what people think it is. Judgment means a crisis. Judgment means God makes a decision whether or not he's going to do something or not. It doesn't mean wrath necessarily, but that could be one of the things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. Judgment means that God is making the decision Weighing in his hands, which one should I do? If we cry out for mercy, he's going to have mercy. Because that's who he, who he is. He loves us just that much. But if we continue going the opposite direction of his commandments, his laws, what he said, what we do, we have to expect certain things. Now let me read something also from Isaiah real quick. Isaiah 45, verses 5 to 7. I am the Lord, there is no other God. I have equipped you for battle. So in other words, though you do not even know me. So God takes care of everybody. Even people who don't come to him, he still takes care of them. He said, I have equipped you for battle, though you don't even know me. So all the world from east to west will know there is no other God. He's doing that right now. Hopefully, people will get the message. I am the Lord. There is no other. I. This is what I want you to listen to. Verse 7. I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. So don't forget that. So when the Lord sees fit, he can send something. I think another version says... I I I, it? I I do good things and I bring calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. So to pinpoint which one God is sending, is God doing this? Is God did God send this one? Did He send that one? Is He doing that kind of calamity? Is He doing that? We don't know. 
But there are times you do know. You get a certain feeling when you know something is of God or when something is just because of the cursed world we live in. And this one is definitely not just regular. Let's put it that way. It's not plain. It's not regular. This one is for a reason. Like I said, God does not bring calamity to kill us. He's bringing calamity for us to turn to him because he cares so much about us. Well, he said, well, if he cares, why are people dying? Why people left this earth? What condition they were in? I don't know. Because God wants to save people. God is interested in saving souls, not destroying souls. To tell you that, you say, well, I don't believe that, okay? I'll give you one more that keep popping on my head. I'm sorry, so just bear with me. Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel. He said, but that's the Old Testament, but it's not the law. So what is the Old Testament? You gotta remember something. The ceremonial law, you know, with the sacrifices, or sacrificial law, rather, with the sacrifices, Jesus fulfilled that, right? The ceremonial law with the Sabbaths and the new moons and this and that, Jesus fulfilled most of that. I said most of that because people don't uh, do something in the millennial reign, but we won't get into that. But the moral law, as far as obeying the commandments, that hasn't changed from Old to New Testament. If he said, thou shalt not kill in the Old Testament, you still can't kill in the New Testament. If he said, thou shalt not steal in the Old Testament, you can't steal in the the New Testament. If he said, don't bear false witness against your neighbor in the Old, he means in the New too. Now, let's see if I can find it. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not gonna sit here and look for all of it. But if God, is Ezekiel chapter 18, somewhere in there. God is saying he has no pleasure in the death of anybody. See, God doesn't want anybody to die. He said, I have no pleasure in, in their death. But if people choose to go the wrong way, it's going to lead to destruction. So people actually, you know, in a way, they're making up their own mind to go the wrong way. And so God gives people free will to a certain extent. If they want to go the wrong way, he doesn't let them go the wrong way. He doesn't knock on their door. But if they refuse to come, they refuse to come. And those who have those who come to Christ, the Father has something to do with it. So if you make your mind that you want to change your life, the Father is going to direct you to Jesus Christ. Hence it now, now it's on a global scale. Father is not going for people to, come to try to get them to come to Jesus Christ. But like I said, some people are not going to come, and some people are going to come. And the ones that come, he's going to make a way for you to come. And the ones that keep saying, no, I don't want to have nothing to do with it, he may knock again, he may not. He may let you contract the disease and pass away. God forbid. But remember, it's not in his will. He doesn't want anybody to pass. Like it's in Ezekiel, I have no, I have no pleasure in that when the wicked pass. I have no pleasure in that. He'd rather us come to him and live. So like I said, this, in these last six verses, he's the protector, 
He's a provider. He's a healer. And he's a keeper. If you want to be kept, Jesus will keep you. Even during these rough times. He's a healer. He can heal this. But I want to leave you with this. Second Chronicles 14. If my people, the ones who say that they know God, the ones who really do know God, if my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, excuse me, then I want to hear from heaven, excuse me, forgive their sins and heal the land. See, it's all in condition. If we turn to God, he'll heal the land. But we're trying to do it on our own. We just don't get the message yet. And if this thing gets worse, which it probably will, before it gets better, I hope by that time people really start soul seeking. And start getting on their knees. I believe there's a lot of people on their knees now, reading and praying, and they ain't telling nobody. But that's all right, because God wants both soldiers. So he eventually, he has, he's getting his army together. He's getting his army together. The church has to come out and be bold now. So God says, comfort my people. Let them know if the door is right, this thing will be, this thing will be a thing of the past. But we have to turn to him. And, and we're dealing with a generation who didn't tell previous generation, well, should I say the previous generation didn't tell this generation about God too much because a lot of these young people are doing their own thing. See, it doesn't, doesn't really change from one generation to another. Young people think they're indispensable. How many young people are at the beach, you know, and doing things, still riding the subway, still hanging out? Oh, well, that's, that's for old people. That's not going to affect me. Yeah, okay. Yes, it does. There's an 18-year-old that died, and I heard yesterday a one-year-old died, and possibly a three-year-old died. So don't say it doesn't hate anybody. Don't say it doesn't hate young people. Yes, yes, it does. But like I said, from one generation to another, young people look at that that mind like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm all right. I'm indispensable. No, you're not. That's an old person's disease. No, it's not. That's for all them old folks, you know. It's not for me. That's what you think. But he does say, because young people are going to faint. That's what this Bible says. He says, the youths will become weak and tired. Even they're going to get weak and tired. If this thing keeps going on like it is, and the youths start getting a little common sense in their head, even they can get weak and tired. This affects everybody. So stay encouraged on the Lord. Please come to the Lord. Let's have a word of prayer before we get off. Lord God, we thank you. We come to you all for Thanksgiving. We thank you for all things. And why should we thank you a time of this? Because you're still good. You could have wiped us all out a long time ago, but you didn't. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for giving us another chance, oh God, to wake us up. Lord God, and let us pass on to those that don't know you that you are the Savior of the world, that you're coming back soon. You're going to set up your kingdom. 
Thank you, Lord. Let those of us who know you be obedient and spread the word. Let people know that you're real. Jesus loves us and he's real. Thank you, Lord, for doing what you're doing to get our attention. We pray, Lord God, for the families who have lost a loved one and those who may be sick and affected right now. We pray for your healing, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that you touch them in a mighty way. We pray that you send witnesses out for you, Lord Lord, to stand strong. We pray, Lord God, for any finances that need to go out, especially to these who uh, have lost their jobs. We pray, Lord God, that you let things get back in shape. You have the power to do so. But above all, God, let us turn to you because that's when you're going to do it. We thank you, Lord God, for your mercy, your grace. Let's become obedient to your word and do what it says because we can. You wouldn't give us something to do if we couldn't do it. So thank you, Lord God. And we pray that anybody listening will be blessed by this message and will continue to seek your face. And let's all remember that Chronicles 7:14. Let's also remember Psalm 91. And we're saved. Because you're truly a keeper, a healer, a protector, and deliverer. And we thank you, Lord God, and the provider for everything. Lord, let's come to you in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, <clears throat> once again, if you want to read Isaiah 40, be my guest. Like I said, it's a, a balance gives you both so thank you and amen